0: The Prayer Mandate, Matthew chapter 6, verse 8 through 13. What I'm going to share with you is very pivotal, It's very important, because frankly, it's one of the most important themes in Scripture, and it's one of the most powerful tools that you have. And I want to share some principles from Scripture so that you can know just how powerful you are and how much your prayer is needed. Some preachers have said that the church's real strength is known not by what you see on a Sunday, but what you see during the prayer service during the week. So if we don't see people praying, the strength of that church is poor. And the principles I'm going to share with you are going to make you understand why. So Matthew chapter 6 Verses 8 through 13, it says this. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask. So that's interesting. If I leave it there, I'll think that I don't need to pray. God knows whatever you know, need I have before you ask, right? But then it says this. It says, In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So looking at this verse, we see that Jesus called us to pray. And the one who called us to pray would also pray. He would go for hours into the mountains, many times at night, spend all night praying. The word prayer in the Greek comes from the word to communicate, to converse, but also to worship. to Worship. So prayer is not just talking. Prayer is relational. Prayer also has to do with worship. Worship is when you acknowledge someone or something as having great value something or someone that is greater than you, and you give it honor or worth So when we pray, we're giving honor to God in that we are honoring his presence, we are honoring who he is, right? We're worshiping him, and we're bringing to him our petitions, because another definition of prayer is bringing petitions to God or petitioning God for us, for our needs, and for the needs of others. Also, there's a connotation of practically begging him for some things. And that's when you go deep. And you say, oh, God, I have a real need. Oh, God, my family has a real need. My community needs this. This person is sick and needs you to intervene. So sometimes in prayer, you're going to go before God with all of your might, with your tears. You're going to go with with all your power. And you're going to give that to God in prayer. And Jesus said that his kingdom needs to come, his will needs to be done on earth, here, in this earth realm, just like it's being done up there. So there's something in prayer that causes his will that's being done up there to manifest in this earth realm. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, God said this, If my people who are called by my name, notice it doesn't say if the world... Or if anyone... No, he's specifically talking about if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Now, here's another thing about prayer. When you're praying, you're actually humbling yourself. You're coming off of your ego trip of thinking you could do all things for yourself. You don't need God. You don't need anybody. You're in charge. If anything's going to happen, it's going to be because you made it happen. No. Sometimes things are very difficult. Sometimes they're beyond your control. Sometimes you're going through the attack of your lifetime, and you need to humble yourself before God and say, God, on this one, I really need your help. Amen? Amen. See, I prefer to live my life journeying with God and say, God, this morning I give it to you. Let's partner on this day together. Let's work this out together. You're the senior partner. I'm the junior partner. You're almighty God. You're my heavenly father. You're my provider. Help me. Give me the resources, the tools, the strength, the boldness, the joy, the grace, the favor that I need to be able to accomplish that which you're calling me to do on this day. Let your will be done in my life today so that I can be a blessing to somebody else. And notice the other word it says there. It says... Give us this day. In other words, God expects us to be in relationship with him in prayer every single day. Say to your neighbor, this is, this is daily. Amen. And it really, really is. It says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. See, prayer is one thing, but seeking is another thing. For you ladies, have you ever lost a piece of jewelry like a wedding ring Huh? So one thing is to talk about it, call your friend and say, man, I lost my ring. See, that's, that could be a form of prayer, right? Talking, communicating. But the other thing is seeking. I could just imagine you running through the house, throwing everything to the side, making sure you look at every single nook and cranny. The kid gets out of, in the way, get out of the way, I'm looking for something very precious, Right? The phone rings, you won't even pick up the phone. You get a text message, who cares? Facebook, bling, 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 you don't care. Because now you're seeking something that's important. Yeah. Amen. If you will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Whoa, he's saying his people had some wicked ways. See, this is why I get into such conflict many times with Christians who tend to be legalistic. Because the people that are pointing at others and judging others and saying, you know, you're in bad shape. You really need to stop that. You have your own issues. We all have our own issues. So we need to be more loving and more empathetic. And, and we need to deal with ourselves. Because God says we have wicked ways. Our heart, desperately really wicked. Oh, you know, God knows my heart. Yeah, he does better than you. And he knows there's some issues that you need to deal with. So in prayer, God will reveal to you those very issues you have to start letting go of. So if you pray, you humble yourself, you seek his face, you turn from your wicked ways. It says, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. God will hear from heaven and heal the land. God will heal, I mean, here, up there, or in the spirit realm, and he'll heal as a manifestation here in this earth realm. So your prayer can turn an impossible thing into something that God can intervene due to your prayer and the power of God can come from the spirit realm and manifest itself in a natural realm, in, in a healing, in a restoration, in somebody else being touched or ministering to because of your prayer. Hallelujah. Ezekiel 22 says, uh, Ezekiel 22.30. Says I looked for someone. God said I looked for someone in that region who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. Wow! God in heaven was looking in the earth realm to see if he found somebody interceding on behalf of the land that would rebuild the wall of righteousness. Uh, let me ask you a question: What is righteousness? Anybody? What is righteousness? Being in a right standing, with God. right standing with God. Absolutely. What else? Doing the right thing. Those are the two things right there. You got it. Righteousness is something that God imputes upon us when we receive Jesus. He cleanses our sin, and he declares us righteous before God. But righteousness also means doing the right thing. Yes? Continue. Well, yes, because righteousness is a daily thing, and you're growing in righteousness. When you came into the kingdom, you had 5,000 habits. But a month later, you broke 100 of them. Ten, five years later, you broke thousands of them, and you're growing from grace to grace, from glory to glory. It's a process. Righteousness, yeah, actually, good, good point. So it is that God declares us righteous. It is that we have works of righteousness. We do the right thing when we have to, and it's a continual process. Excellent. Praise God. So he says he looked for somebody just like that in this earth realm that might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards The land. Righteousness guards the land. When you do the right thing, it guards you. You could go to sleep with your heart clear. Somebody accuses you, you could go, I didn't do it. Put me in a lie detector test, and you'll pass the test. Why? Because righteousness guards you. Praise God. And when the church gets involved in doing right things in community, it starts healing the community. And God says, I was looking for somebody like that. I searched for someone who would stand in the gap on the wall so that I wouldn't have to destroy the land. Wow. So God is actually he's searching for people that are praying, that are interceding, that are standing on behalf of their land. What's your land? Your family? Your community? Your church family? Your future? Your destiny? We stand in the gap for others. God is searching for you. Say to your neighbor, God's searching for you. Searching for you. Tell your neighbor to stand in the gap for others. Gap for others. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he says, but in that case, he found no one. I found no one. Verse 31, so now I will pour out my fury on them, consuming them with the fire of my anger. I will heap on their heads the full penalty of all their sins. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Wow. Why? Because they were tearing apart the land. They were stealing. They were robbing. They were oppressing. They were were injuring the poor. They, They were taking the finances of the community and destroying it. And God says, okay, you will pay for your sin. Nobody there. Is there nobody in the Bronx that's interceding? I see some of you every week, every Wednesday here, interceding for the land. One time, Abram went before God. He said, God, you're going to destroy these two lands? What if there's 50 people, 50 righteous people? You know what God said? I won't destroy it. If there are 50 righteous in there, I would not destroy it. So the answer was, there's not 50 because I'm going to destroy it. Then Abram said, but what about if there's 40? You know what Abram was doing? He was interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. And God said, there's not 40. But what if there were 30? What if there were 20? What if there were 10? There were not even 10 righteous people in that region. What happened? Those lands were destroyed. The natural process of sin took over in that region and destroyed that land. My God. But now it's our generation. It's our turn. What are we doing in our region, in our season of authority? See, so the principle of of prayer, I want to talk to you a couple of minutes about the principle of prayer, is a result of God's established authority structure. Prayer is an authority structure. You know why? Because between heaven and earth, something needs to be transmitted. Something needs to be passed on, and it only gets passed on through prayer. See, it's also, prayer is a result or a product of his faithfulness to his word. Why do I say that? God created you. And when he created you, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28, he says, you're in charge in this earth realm. I give you charge over the animals, over the people, over this cosmos, over this world, rather. I give you charge. So a product of his faithfulness is that he put us in control in this earth realm. And his word to him is very important. Prayer emanates from God's will and authority. He created prayer. Say to your neighbor, God created prayer. God created prayer. So is it important to God? Yes. Absolutely. When we respect prayer, we're actually submitting to and we're also respecting God's authority structure on this earth as it relates to our assignment. Who is called to pray? Let me ask, who is called to pray? It's a trick question because we all are. Every single one of us are called to pray and intercede. Praise God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 and 27 is pivotal in understanding this principle of prayer. It is these verses that define that relationship that the creator intended and desired with man and this earth realm. How do things come from the heavens to here? In Ephesians 1, verse 1 through 3, it talks about that God has blessed us with every single blessing, spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Now, the word heavenly there doesn't mean the natural that we can touch There's a realm that we don't see, the spirit realm, which is the parent realm of the natural. See, you didn't create yourself. God created you. God is not flesh. God's a spirit. Spirit created us. Understand? So the parent realm is the spirit realm. We, on the other hand, we touch this realm with our bodies. But we're also spirit beings. But we're unique because we're a spirit being that can touch this realm. So God gave authority to us that even though we're spirit beings and we're created in his likeness and image, that we, since we have this body, we could touch this earth realm. We can influence this earth realm. We can pray, give a report to God, who is spirit, and bring change into this realm. You, you got that yet? Amen. You understand where I'm coming from? I'm trying to give you a principle here. So these verses determine that relationship. The creator, he, he, he mandated this for man to have dominion here on earth. He said this, let them have dominion. Let them. Who's them? You and me. Say to your neighbor, God gave us authority in this earth realm. See? These words, let them, the creator gave man the legal right to legally influence this realm, this earth to have authority in this earth realm. This is based on the principle of God's integrity and his commitment to his word. He honors his word. You might not have read this verse, but I'm going to read this to you because I want you not just to hear it from me, but I want you to hear what the word has to say. Psalms 138 verse 2. Psalms 138 verse 2. Look what it says. I will worship, this is David, I will worship toward your holy temple and I will praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth for you have magnified your word above all your name. Another version would say, you have magnified your word above all. Wow. So his word has authority in the spirit realm and in the natural realm. So when God Almighty spoke and he says, let them have authority, let them rule, let them have dominion on this earth, Guess what happened? His word, which is above all, established a legal right, a legal authority structure. It gave us power in this earth realm. Amen. This is why when we pray, there's actually power being generated in the spirit realm. Spirits have to obey your prayer. Circumstances and situations have to obey your words. <sighs> I just set a mouthful. You know why? We don't respect our own words. We say anything and don't even think twice about it. I'm not getting any amens now. I got people looking at me kind of upset now. I got people saying, hey, you know, if you keep on doing this, I'm going to have to leave this church because you're meddling now. This is summer. I, I should have ice cream messages throughout summer. No, you need to know this. Your words have power. And this is why when you're always complaining about a situation or scenario, you're literally creating an environment conducive to the very same thing so that it would perpetuate itself. You need to shift your words to words of faith, to what the word says about you, what your word says about your family, what your word says about your church, your community. That's how come God gave you power so you could be an agent of change in this earth realm. That's why, that's why when we criticize or complain you know, about others and other situations and circumstances, we could criticize our brother, we criticize the pastor, we criticize the elders, the leaders, we criticize our jobs, we criticize all these things. That's a sin because we're perpetuating something that might be out of order. Hallelujah. Words have power. God says, my words are above everything. And guess what? He made us in his likeness and in his image. So guess what? We also have words that have a lot of power. That's how come if you tell me I'm no good or I'm stupid or I'm this, I'm that. I was say, shh, shut your mouth. I don't receive that. I know who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm anointed of God. You know why? Because I have to allow in my spirit, man, that which will give me life. That which will prove, or rather, produce in me the ability to continue to do what God called me to do. You're not going to shut me down with your words. You're not going to dictate to me who I am. I know who I am. Why? Because the word says what I am. So I would declare what the word says I am. I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. Why do you think I always tell you that every week? Because I'm getting that in your spirit. The Bible says we're kings and priests. Unto the Lord. So if you're, if you're like a king, if you're like a priest, how should you be acting? You should be walking tall and confident. And I'm not talking about egotistic maniac. I'm talking about somebody that walks around with joy and with confidence, who knows who they are, who knows where they're going. And if somebody says something stupid about them, say, I reject that in Jesus' name. Especially you teenagers in school, when, when children say dumb things about you, reject it right away. Some children, they commit even suicide because of what other dummies who don't know who you are. They don't know your future. They don't know your destiny. They're saying things they don't understand because they are immature and because they're selfish, they're capricious, and they don't know where they're going. And they might be hating on you because they're jealous of you anyway. Praise God. God. Finally, some of you said amen. All right, I have hope yet today. (laughs) Praise God. Yeah, so when somebody says something about me, I immediately check it by the lens of Scripture. Yeah. Scripture determines to me what I receive and what I reject. Because if all God, Almighty God, who, by the way, created me and you, tells us who we are, then why do I have to allow someone who doesn't know who I am, who didn't create me, who doesn't have my best interests in heart, who only has another agenda, why am I going to allow them to influence me and to shut me down? Not going to happen. Hallelujah. Amen. In Isaiah 55, verse 11, it says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. My word shall not return to me void. Isaiah 55, 11. It says, But it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I send it. Wow. Did you read that? Did you see that? His word always produces fruit. Amen. That's right. Amen. Hallelujah. In Mark chapter 4, it talks about when the preacher goes out and preaches. You know, the word goes into the soil, and the soil is the heart of man. How can a word get into my heart? How? How can a word get into my heart? Huh? You read it, somebody speaks it to you, you, you hear it or, or read it, right, exactly, that's exactly right. Or you, you even see a scenario that speaks to you, because sometimes scenarios also speak, and it goes into the heart. Then the Bible says, you don't know how, There's a mysterious thing, how the seed of the word goes into the heart, and then it produces a fruit. And this is the problem that we don't understand that we use words without respect and honor. We don't understand that when the word gets sown, it produces fruit. But is it the fruit that you want? How in the world are you, as an effective farmer, gonna get apples if all you have is orange seeds? And you say, ah, it doesn't make a difference, a seed is a seed. Ah." That's dumb, that doesn't make sense. No, you got to get a specific seed. And guess what? Among apples, there's a lot of different kind of apples. So if I want green apples, I better get green apple seeds. Granny apples, what do you call them? you got macintosh, granny apples, all, all, all different type of apples. You have to know what kind of seed. So if you want joy in your life, what are you going to speak? You're going you're to talk about things that are going to produce joy in your life. And don't tell me it doesn't work because it works all the time. Some of you Facebook people, you're in a bad mood, horrible mood, and you're flicking, 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 flicking. And among the many things, you find a video of some of your favorite places, or somebody in a beach somewhere, or maybe a little child that you love and you appreciate, and you see the child having fun, and suddenly it produces joy in you. Very powerful. So just think about that a moment. What have you been producing? What is your atmosphere? What is your environment right now? You have the power to change that environment. Through your words, through your prayers. Because God gave you that authority. You have God-given authority here in this earth realm. Say that with me. I have God-given authority in this earth realm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you look at this verse, you see that God is concerned about his word. His word goes forth. His word produces uh, a fruit. And it comes back with the desired result. How many words have you sent out to get a specific result? Or are you just chatty? uh -uh. When you speak, speak with understanding, speak as a farmer, speak as a sower, speak with revelation, speak with understanding, because it's coming back to you, it's going to produce fruit, and it's coming back to you, well, I, I was friendly with that other person, and they, they kicked me to the curb, well, guess what, God's going to raise up other friends, and it's going to come back to you, you don't know how it's going to come back, and Mark 4 it says, you don't know how it will prosper, it just prospers. So stop looking to that person or this other person to bring you the fruit. God will produce the fruit for you. Because the power is contained in the word and in your faith and in your confidence in his word. Hallelujah. So there are several principles there. Number one, God's purpose is more important than our plans. There are some plans we have that are useless. But when God purposes something and he speaks it into existence... What did he speak? That we have authority in this earth realm. That's what's important to him. So when you're praying, now he said, now my son and daughter has it. They understand it. What are they praying? God's listening. Because that's what's going to bring you the divine transfer. That's what's going to bring the divine principles, wisdom, uh, resources. Remember, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So in Christ, when we come to Christ, God has blessed us. Say with me, God has, us. God has blessed us. What does that mean? Let's break that down. God has blessed us. What does that mean? Giving us fortune? Yeah, there's a type of fortune because there's resources, right? Okay, okay, excellent. Resources. What else? God has blessed us. Yes, because if he's blessed us, it's almost like if you have a, uh, an ATM machine, or rather an ATM, or rather savings with $10,000. You don't know it's there. What's the use? It's like if you don't have anything. But if you have 1000 in the bank, and you have an ATM card, and you know it's there, you will use it. You'll take advantage of it, right? So if he blessed us, and we know about it, then we could take advantage of that blessing, right? Yes. Okay, both true, God has blessed us. What else do you see there? We're in a better position, right? Because the position of blessing means that we've been privileged to receive something by grace, by favor. Because he loves us. It's not that we're special, but that he loved us so much that he wants us to have that. It's like a good father wants to bless a kid or a child with something that they want, right? Amen. God has blessed us. What else do you get there? Hmm? Huh? He has equipped. Yes, there is an equipping there. Absolutely, Absolutely. We have it. It's ours. It's in our possession now. We could use it, right? Somebody else said something. Absolutely. When you're blessed, you become the blessing, and you can bless others, right? God has blessed us. There's still one point I'm waiting for you to catch. We're pro- yes, absolutely. We are certified in the heavenlies. We can say it, and even the enemy has to understand it. Can't touch that person. They're blessed. It's already there. It's there. It's there. There you go. Yes. Amen. Amen. That's it. It's a done deal. God has already blessed us. In other words, He's not going to bless you. Huh? He, poured he poured everything out. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, not some, not a little bit, down payment. Later on, I'll give you some more. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Done deal, already happened. Every single blessing you need, anything you need in this earth realm, all you need to do is tap in to Almighty God in prayer, interceding, and it will transfer, and it will become that what you need in this earth realm, because he's already blessed you. Say with me, I'm already blessed. Say with me, I'm already blessed. Say with me, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Come on, give him some praise. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's what I wanted you to get. That's what I wanted you to get. You're already blessed. And see, the problem is we are fighting from a vantage point that is erroneous. You're fighting from a vantage point as if you were a weakling, as if you didn't have it yet. You already have it. You're already authorized. You're already deputized. You're already anointed. You're already appointed. All you need to do is stand in your authority. All you have to do is stand in the calling that God has called you to do and pray and declare and intercede for others. And guess what? Somebody is waiting for the answer, but you know why they're still waiting? Because you haven't started praying yet. Hallelujah. Sorry, sorry. I get... oh. Sorry. Calm down, calm down. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. You got it? You got it? It's these very laws that make prayer necessary, make prayer vital. God is fully committed to his word. He's fully committed to his purpose. Isaiah 46, 10. Isaiah 46, verse 10. I make known the end times from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say, this is God, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. My purpose will stand. So his purpose for us is to represent him in this earth realm. And to stand in the gap for others. Remember the verse? I look for someone to stand in the gap and there was none. God is looking for us to stand in the gap. God is looking for us to pray every single day. Give us this day, Lord, our daily bread. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it's already being done in heaven. And that happens in prayer. Say with me, that happens in prayer. Say, say with me, the transfer happens during prayer. Hallelujah. Amen. It is this commitment to his word that makes prayer so powerful, so necessary. If anything is going to be impacted and changed in this earth realm, the, the word of God needs to be present. Prayer needs to be present. Prophetic declarations need to be present. God subjects himself to his promises and decrees because of his integrity. When he said, let them have dominion, he actually meant it. When he said, let them have dominion, he established a law here in this earth realm. Say with me, the legal authority on this earth realm was given to me. By God. by God let that sink in let that sink in when you pray you're not saying oh man I wonder if God will hear me stop when you pray pastors God bless you what a pleasure to see you praise God good to see you good to see you both family good to see you God bless Victoria praise God who's this little man right here how are you grandson you, don't, you can't have grandson you're too young praise God God bless you Praise the Lord. Good to see all of you. Praise God. Let us sink in. God gave you authority. You don't come to prayer as a mealy-mouthed, weak person wondering if God will hear you. God is waiting. He is seeking someone to stand in the gap. And when he finds somebody that stands in the gap, he says, now I can heal the land. Now they're understanding that I set them there with authority to bring healing to that land. Hallelujah. We are the legal stewards of this earth. We are his representatives. We are the ones that have the authority to be able to bring healing, restoration in this land. Any influence in the supernatural realm on earth is only through our legal rights that God gave to us. Hallelujah. So prayer then, in in a simple format, is man exercising his legal authority that God gave him. It's a communication between God's creation, us, and God himself. And when we go before God, I want you to see God as a loving Heavenly Father, but also as the military general. He's not a four-star general. He's not a five-star general. He's the general of all generals. And so you're reporting to him from your region and, and saying, Father... These are the issues that exist. And these are the things that we need to take care of in this land. And as your authorized agent in this region, I need some resources. I need some wisdom. I need for this person to be healed. I need this person to be touched. I need this person to to receive your revelation. I need for your angels to be dispatched, because that's another thing in prayer... Angels are waiting for us to pray in order to activate the angelic hosts who have been called to help us as heirs of salvation. So there are certain things that will come into play when we begin the prayer process. Now, let me say, there are some mountains that take a little longer than others to conquer. So when we pray, we have to have patience in prayer. We have to have patience in the process. Because may I say, I can tend to be a little impatient. Anybody here? In the the back, there's one more impatient person. The rest of you, at the end of the service, the altar is open. You can repent. All right, all right, all right. The truth of the matter is that when we pray, we think all we need to do is pray once. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find, right? Knock and the door shall be open, right? But in the Amplified, it says, ask and keep on asking. In Luke chapter 8, there was a widow that kept on going before a judge. And the Bible says the judge didn't care about her. He didn't care about people, right? He didn't respect people's wishes. But she would go every day. Judge, avenge me by my adversary. Judge, avenge me of my adversary. He would say, no, she'd go home. Go back the next, next day. Judge, avenge me of my adversary. And, he, and she'd go back home. Next day, judge, avenge me. After a while, she started wearing him out. And he says, listen, give this woman what she wants because she wearies me. She interceded so much in her situation that after a while, this bad judge just gave in and gave her what she wanted. Have you ever known anybody like that? I call them pit bull human beings. Yeah. They don't give up. They don't give in. They keep on. They keep on. They keep on. They make the best salespeople. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get what they want. Now, and then Jesus said, wouldn't our Heavenly Father answer? He's a loving Heavenly Father. Of course he will. But we need to work the process. We need to be patient with the process. Sometimes you haven't received the answer because it hasn't been finished yet. There's something that's happening. Remember, remember when we were waiting for this building? God was speaking to us about a building, but it hadn't become available yet. So you have to wait the process. Say with me, I have to learn learn how to to be patient when I'm interceding. For my city, for my family, for my church, for my future, for my destiny, for my job, for my provision, for my promotion. And put in the rest of the things that you might be praying for. We need to be patient. But make no mistake about it. Every time you pray, things are moving. Things are shifting. Things are happening. It's God's will. First Timothy chapter 2. I exhort, therefore, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may all lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. I'm going to say it again. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. Should we pray? Yes. It's good and acceptable to God. Hallelujah. Why? Because he's the one that created prayer. Why? Because we need prayer. We need answers. Look at these verses. If my people who are called by my name will pray. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. Remember when Moses lifted up his hands in prayer? There was a battle going on. Joshua and Caleb and the rest of the troops were down in the valley fighting. And Moses was up in the mountain. And suddenly he lifted his hands up and started interceding in prayer. And what happened? Israel started winning the battle. But then, how many of you can keep your hands up like this for a couple of hours? After a while, Moses, who was a very old man, by the way, by that time, his hands started going down. And as his hands started going down, that was symbolic of his intercession stopping. And they started losing the battle. He would lift them up, they would start winning. He would go down, they would start losing. Wow, what a lesson What a case study in intercession. So what did Joshua and Caleb do? Either they themselves or somebody else came up and lifted up and propped up their arms. So he was no longer interceding on his own. They were interceding with him. They understood the authority structure. Something was passing from the heavenlies into the natural realm through the intercession of Moses. And as long as Moses continued interceding, the battle was going to be won. The only problem is when he gave up. When he gave up, that's when he started losing the battle. But God is saying to you today, this is not time to give up. This is not time to give in. This is not time to stop. This is not time to forget it. This is not time to take vacation. This is time to continue and increase your intercession before God on behalf of the land. Hallelujah! What about Elijah? He prayed. And when he prayed, fire came from heaven. When the other 450 prophets prayed, nothing happened. Well, actually, something did. They prayed, nothing would happen, so they would pray harder. Nothing happened, they start cutting themselves up. Nothing would happen. So at the end of the day, they were cut up, beat up, messed up, busted up, disappointed, disillusioned, right? And then, uh, I think it was showing off. The prophet said, all right, fire from heaven. Tell you what, throw some water on it. Throw some water on the sacrifice. Put some more. Put some more. But I mean, the faith. The nerve, the audacity of this prophet. He was so sure. My God, when you get that sure about the ability of your God to produce the very thing that he promised, nothing can stop you. (laughs) Uh, Throw some more water, throw some more water. That thing was so soaked, no fire could exist. And then he looked up to heaven, he made his request, he made sure everybody heard the request too, and suddenly fire came down from heaven. At the end of the day, people knew exactly who God was, yes. right. and they knew exactly who God was not, yes. right. praise God, because that fire came, took all the water, took the sacrifice, praise God, and, 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 and took the ownership that day, prayer, because if he wouldn't have prayed, the fire wouldn't have come. And what about those two years and a half when there was drought, or three years and a half when there was drought? No water. And then one day he tells his servant, Go to the king, tell him to get ready because it's going to rain. There hadn't been any rain in three and a half years. What nerve, what audacity, what boldness. How in the world are you gonna say it's gonna rain? It hasn't rained for three and a half years. Don't you see the land is barren? Don't you see we have no food, no crops? And you're just gonna say, just, just because you say it's gonna rain, it's gonna rain? Yeah. And you know, when he looked up, he told God, he told God, he says, Lord, let them know that I have done all these things at your word. So somewhere along the line, there was conversation between him and the Father. Oh, conversation. You mean prayer? That's right. In prayer, he received the revelation and the strategy to defeat the false prophets and the prayer, in prayer, he received the revelation and the strategy to get rain back on in the earth realm. Praise God. And it rained that day after he prayed. After a man <laughs> prayed, fire came from heaven. After a man prayed, the battle was won. After man prayed, the fire came down and the water came down. Hallelujah, that's right, Jesus. Jesus would go to the mountain and pray. He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Paul and Silas prayed midnight when they were in prison, when they were in the stocks, when they were chained up. They prayed and worshipped. Remember I told you prayer also involves worship? And at midnight, all of the prisoners are listening to these guys worship God. They're saying, what good is there right now for you to be happy and to be praising? We don't see anything good in this. We're in prison. You guys are with us. Don't you get where you're at now? Ah, Give them some time. After a while, they'll give up. After a while, they'll give in. After a while, they'll realize where they're really at. They're in prison. Meanwhile, they're blessing the Lord. Bless the Lord at all times. I praise you for you're worthy to be praised. And they're singing the psalms. They're singing the hymns in the middle of the most difficult time of their lives, in prison, in the darkest part of prison. Not only are they in prison, they have their head and their arms inside that, those wood stocks, tied down, chained, and they're praising God. That's a word from somebody here today. Because you might feel bound to something. You might have an issue. You might have a problem you're going through right now. And it might be a dark moment for you. It might be the midnight hour for you. But guess what? <clears throat> there, they were praising and worshiping God and praying to God and interceding. The Bible says suddenly, say it with me suddenly. suddenly. Suddenly, there was an earthquake. But this earthquake was the most unusual earthquake in the history of man. Because it didn't affect anything except the prison doors. Oh, and by the way, the chains came off of the hands and the legs of the prisoners. Very unusual earthquake. I might call it a Holy Ghost earthquake. It's a suddenly of God. God knows how to take your impossible situation and turn it around in a moment and put you in the ascendancy in a heartbeat. For one moment, Paul and Silas in prison. The next moment, they are free. They're all standing, and all the prisoners are looking at them. They're shocked. They're amazed. They're dazed. They don't know what in the world just happened. And Paul and Silas suddenly had church in the middle of a prison. And suddenly, it was a preaching moment, a preaching opportunity. And the jailer got saved that night. The whole family got saved that night a moment that was supposed to be an impossible situation. Sometimes God puts you in a difficult position, not because he just wants you to be in a difficult position, but because that's going to be the door that you're going to touch somebody. You need to trust God enough to know that it's not God trying to harm you. He's setting you up to be a blessing to somebody else. Wow, that preached me happy right there. Because I've been through situations where I felt... Out of control and suddenly God has shown me something in the midst of that difficulty and suddenly I've been a blessing. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So as I conclude, because it says there I have zero, 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 (laughs) zero minutes to preach. Just happened. It just went down to zero. So as I conclude, say amen. amen. Praise God. I said for you to say amen on purpose so that, you know, you won't say amen on your own and, you know, get me offended. But think about it. Think about how powerful you are, how important you are in this relationship between God and man. Think about how important your life is in this season of your life. Think about what you've done with that gift called prayer, that tool called prayer and intercession. What have you done with it? Have you been busy working it? What have you been doing with your words? Have you just been throwing things around, anything, have you been thinking about what you say? Always think before you speak. You know why? The words of your mouth are life or death. By the way, that's in scripture also. Yes. The words of your mouth <clears throat> produce life or death. Yes. And those that love it will eat of its fruit. Yes. So you need to become a specialist of words. Mm-hmm. Don't become a wordsmith, but understand what comes out of your mouth will give life or death. Yes. When you speak in counsel, Make sure that you pray first, that you seek God first, that you get his wisdom first. Let your wisdom flow like rivers of living water, because the Holy Spirit's within you. He'll give you the wisdom. He'll give you the discernment. He'll give you the prophetic word that you need. He'll give you that word of knowledge that you need for somebody else, for your own life. Don't give up. Now's not the time to give up. Now's not the time to give in. Now's the time to take your authority, to stand up. Say with me, it's time to stand up. And be who God called me to be. Say to your neighbor. Get a neighbor. Say, neighbor. neighbor, Now is your time to stand up and be who God called you to be. Amen. Give him some praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God, God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.